Hey everyone, you're listening to Supporting IT Support, a Tab Geeks podcast. My name is Jesse Nolan. I'm your host and the co-founder of Tab Geeks. My guest for today's episode is Justin Escar, who is the founder and CEO of Virtua Consulting Group. Hopefully I didn't butcher that name. But like many of us, he has several titles, including Lord and Ordained Minister, which we'll hear all about very shortly. Justin, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Jesse. Uh, great to be here. And uh, do you want to give us uh, just a two-minute intro about yourself? Um, feel free to throw in how you became a Lord very recently. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, so, uh, as you said, my name is Justin Esker. I'm the CEO of Virtual Consulting Group. Uh, we're a conglomerated company mixed up of a couple of different divisions. Virtual Computers, which is our IT consulting uh, firm based in New York City, where we help clients with Macs. We're an actual Apple consultant, a member of the Apple Consultants Network. We do uh, consulting consulting, so we actually work with other consultants to help grow their business. We have a software division where we do software for consultants to help them with their business. And we have a conference education division where I host something called the ACES Conference, which is all about the business side of IT consulting for Apple consultants, which was something that was very much lacking uh, when we started it about six years ago. The the Lord thing, <laughs> you know, it's funny that you mentioned this because uh, I've been going around ever since this happened, and I've been like correcting people when they when they call me now, and I make <laughs> I make my five year old son call me Lord Daddy. Um, it's nice. It's, yeah. So the internet is a wonderful thing, right? Like, and you know this being, and anyone who's listening would know this because being in IT is all we do all day long. You can, you can become whatever you want on the internet. And I don't mean that in like a creepy, like I'm going to troll a Facebook post. I mean, like you can literally go online. So for the holidays, which are coming up, I don't know when this is going to drop, but uh, my, I had my mother-in-law buy me a plot of land in Scotland. Uh, and, and when you buy that plot of land, they plant some trees in the area and stuff like that. So she bought me five square feet of land at some park in Scotland. And therefore now legally speaking, I am a Lord. I can legally change my name in the United States to Lord Justin Escar, which, you know what? That's awesome. (laughs) That is awesome. You know what I mean? I have conversations with other people that I'm friends with who, who also have bought this land and I'm like, your highness. And they're like, your highness, (laughs) like this is how we like interact (laughs) with one another. Uh, and the same thing for the ordained minister. This is a true story. My my wife's cousin was getting married and the uh, the rabbi was late. And so I went on my phone and I looked up uh, how to become a minister online. And you just like uh, click a couple buttons. You give him your name. You give him your birthday. And like, boom, you're an ordained minister. And I went to my cousin. I was like, yo, I got this. Uh, and he's like, <laughs> I was like, I'm back up in case the rabbi doesn't show. Um, and, I was, and now I'm an ordained minister. The funny part about the ordained minister one, though, that I really like is... I got a, 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 you know, normally when you sign up for something, you get like a one year anniversary, you know, or a birthday, you know, email or something. The ordained minister one, they sent me a, a con- you know, a congratulations. You've done it. Like this is your anniversary. Nine months after I became an ordained minister. And it took me like a half a second to <laughs> figure out why was it nine months later? <laughs> like, as opposed to like a one year mark or something like that. And I was like, I don't really think. I was like, did I think I became an ordained minister on the fly on the internet because of like a shotgun wedding or something like that? Like, why? <laughs> why nine months? Um, but yes, I am technically uh, Lord Justin, but you don't you don't have to call me your highness. I will let you off the hook for the rest of the podcast. 
Oh, thank you. That was going to be uh, really difficult there. But you are <laughs> the first and, and so far only Lord we have had that I know of there on the go. podcast. So any of my previous guests that had Lordship status, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a Lord or want to become a Lord, drop it in the comments. That's what people say. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Let us know. Okay. Yep. All right. So let's jump back to the beginning. Everybody has a story of how they got into tech. What's yours? So I got into it, into tech at a very, very early age. Um, I was five years old when this happened. It's 1985. I'm 40 now. Um, I went to Florida with my mom to go see my grandmother. I come home and on the dining room table was an Apple IIc computer um, and a monitor. And and I, my, I remember my mom getting mad at my dad for spending like $12,000 on this thing. <laughs> um but that was the start that's that led me down my path and uh there was a magazine that you could that like instead of a centerfold there was like lines of code that you can like co- you could like literally type into the computer and like create programs into the computer and you can create games and stuff like that and i was so enamored by what this thing could do and i've always been also very entrepreneurial so like around the same time I started, you know, my entrepreneurial business mindset idea because I knew about Steve Jobs and Bill Gates and I wanted to be like them. And when I was in fifth grade, a friend of mine would make like these origami paper uh, pencil holders. And I was like hocking them to the other kids at a quarter a piece, but I was paying my friend a nickel for each one he made like a sweatshop. Nice. And yeah. And then like in high school, I was the guy who was selling candy. Like I look like a dude, like, you know, the, like the, the, the eighties image of like a dude with like a trench coat with like the watches. I was like, I was like that guy. I was like, yo, you want sour patch straws? You want nerds? What you want? You want blow pops? I got it. Like, you know what I mean? Um, I was the same way in elementary school. There you go. And I was, but I was doing an all fair. Wait, hold on. For the record, I was doing it for a cause. I was a member of the future business leaders of America. We were raising money for charity. I wasn't just like stealing people's money. Um, and so the two always kind of blended for me, right? Uh, computers and business, computers and business. And I was never uh, good enough to become a programmer. I can't, languages don't work for me very well. Uh, I barely can speak English properly, as anyone who's <laughs> listening. Uh, so, but so the, the whole thing about becoming the next Steve jobs or, or Bill Gates always stuck with me for, for years. And I've always looked for angles and ways to like merge those two thought processes. How do I run a business involving computers without, you know, how can I create something? How can I build something? So I graduate college in 2002, like one of the worst years ever to graduate to look for a job. And I was, I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't work for quite some time. I was like mortgage broker and I was doing temp work or whatever it is. And, uh, I had the opportunity to take a vacation with a friend of mine. And while I was away, my sister who had a, an EMAC was a white solid unit was meant for education, which is why they called it the EMAC had something broke with it. So she called a company in New York city to come fix it. They came to her apartment, they fixed it. She got the guy's card. I come home from my vacation. She tells me about this company. I call them and I was like, Hey, by any chance, are you looking for work and, uh, or, or looking for, you know, someone to work for you? And, and they were like, it was just like a happenstance. So I went to go work for this 
guy in the city and he wasn't really great at running a business. Like he would yell at clients and, and my paychecks would bounce and he would pay me in like hardware. And like at the time I was living at home with my parents, I was like, I'll take whatever I can get. Right. Uh, and he eventually, he eventually sold the company to a, a, another company in the city. And over the next, let's say three, cause I, I started there in 2004 over the next three years, anyone who became the manager of the Mac department inevitably got fired. So finally, when it was my turn to become manager, I was like, well, writing's on the wall. When is this going to happen? And it was the second Friday of January of 2008. That following Monday, I was supposed to go to Macworld in California and they were supposed to pay for it, which they didn't to go. And, and I went, but I went anyway, luckily my parents helped me out and I went anyway and I saw Steve Jobs for one of the few, it was like his last appearance at Macworld. He was introducing the MacBook Air the first time wow. ever. Pulled it out of the envelope. Yeah. Uh, pulled it out of the envelope. I saw him on the floor, um, you know, of the showroom, like around the MacBook Air uh, did my thing, came home, called my old boss, despite his lack of business sense, put, who put me in touch though with a couple of people. I called them and I started getting some work. I started picking up, you know, a, a, a client here, a client there. And, uh, one of his, one of the people who I went to go do work for was this gentleman. And so I call him up and he's like, I need a new hard drive replacement. One of my employees' computers, I need you here Friday at 9 a.m. And I was like, well, you know, I have to order the drive and it takes a couple of days. Like, he goes, aren't you hungry? I was like, yeah, but I'm not starving. Like, I don't need to do this. Uh, but so I did it anyway. And so I went on Friday, I picked up a hard drive at like Best Buy or whatever it was. And I went Friday at 9 a.m. Remember, this is the, so like I went to, I went to California Monday. I came home Thursday. This is Friday at 9 a.m. And I walk in and I'm like, hi, I'm Justin. I'm the IT guy. I'm here to like fix a hard drive or something like that. And this, the, the employee's computer uh, was this girl. And she was like, oh, it's my computer or whatever it is. And we start talking. And that girl is now my wife. Nice. Yeah. 13 years later, uh, we're married with, with two kids. So first client out of the gate, uh, she ended up, we went on a date. I traded her business cards for dinner. Um, and yeah, now we're married. So that's that that's like the 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 entire baseline. Everything that I mentioned earlier has come from that. So Aww. <laughs> so but no, I was saying like no, I mean like I, I started I started the business and I started doing things, then the iPad came out and I was like, well, I could draw my signature on this and I don't want to do paperwork tickets anymore. And so I created an app called Sign My Pad, which was a popular PDF signature app back when the iPad first came in. And then from there I started doing hmm? I thought you didn't code. No, oh, uh, I didn't code. I actually outsourced it, which is what I'm getting to. So I ended up from creating the app and outsourcing it and stuff like that. I ended up doing speaking gigs about how to outsource and how to write apps using the Tim Ferriss four hour four hour work week method, where I outsourced the coding, I outsourced the marketing, I outsourced the graphics, I outsourced the SEO, and I just paid for these things. And then I collected all the revenue from, from the app sales. And that led to me writing a book, which is on the, uh, which is currently on Amazon called Appitalize on Your Idea. And the book then led me into doing TV shows. Like I was doing, uh, I was, I ended up on Fox Business News a lot and CNBC talking about tech and things like that. And 
that got me uncomfortable in front of a camera and in front of, you know, people and things like that. And then I started speaking more at other conferences. And then I thought, well, why are there all conferences all about tech? Why are there no business related conferences? I want to learn about how to run my business better. And so I started the conference. And now, after so many years of doing this, I now offer help to other consultants on how to run their business because I've done this for so long and I've, I've learned all of these things. So all of these things kind of tie back together. They're all like, I, I call it a, a, a hub with spokes, like a wheel. And they all stem back from the same thing, which all comes back to that, that, that paltry $12,000 Apple IIc that my dad bought in 1985. Love it. Now, I asked this question and recently, or not recently, usually I get the same answer. Did you go to school for any of this? Nope. <laughs> Is that the normal answer? Nope. Generally, I yes. Yeah. I went to school for business. I went to the University of Rhode Island and I was the only general business administration major of my class. And I found that out in the worst possible way. It was four years after, you know, going to school, I'm at graduation day and we're at the business, you know, the business class ceremony and the dean of business uh, was like, we have accounting majors and all the accounting majors got up and they were like, woo. And he's like, we have <laughs> economics majors and all the economics majors get, you see where this is going. They yeah. all got up and they were like, woo. And he's like, in general business administration. And I got up and I was the only one standing and I was real embarrassed. Dead silence. <laughs> and, my, and my best friend, who's an accountant major, kind of, he was sitting in the row in front of me, turned around and he goes, ha ha. And it was like, so bad. <laughs> Um, but no, I went to, yeah, I went to school for business. I went to school for marketing and management and yeah, I didn't, and I, for, again, for me, for everything that I do, if you really listen to the story all the way through, it's all about, I do the business side of it. Like, yes, I can do computers. I've built up a very, very strong business in New York city. We just recently acquired a company in Iowa, another ACN. So now we're doing that. Like I am very good with computers and tech, especially on the Mac side. That's where my specialty is. But my love is for how to run that business and what we can do with that business, right? Building out from there, that hub and what other spokes can we build out? But prior to the pandemic, for the conference, one of the big ideas we were thinking about doing was, uh, it's called the ACES Conference. We were thinking about doing ACES at Sea. Um, and having like, you know, a, sh a, a condensed conference, but everyone on a cruise ship. I mean, that's never going to happen now. You stole my but, idea. That was going to be tab geeks in five years. Oh, really? Well, so the thing is, this yeah. aces at sea, it's just the same letters just flipped around. So like I had, this, I was going to play, I was going to play on that whole thing. Right. Um, I was going to do aces Europe, but that's never going to happen right now. I just love uh, cruise hopefully ships. After the pandemic, we'll see, but. Oh, I do too. I love what's your cruise line of choice. The Royal Caribbean. Nice. I'm a big fan of Norwegian cruise lines. I was going to say this ever gets to anybody, They're both amazing. If anyone at NCL is listening, hook a brother up when all this gets right. Right. And, and, and at Royal Caribbean, you and me both. Man, those things are amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love a good cruise ship. Yeah. <laughs> Floating cities. I actually, um, my last podcast was um, not a cruise ship, but was interviewing a guy who was in charge of doing IT for a U.S. battleship. Former. U.S. battleships, the USS Iowa, which is um, permanently berthed out here in the L.A. port uh, nearby to right. me here in, in Long Beach. And uh, and he was saying, like, 
how he puts together Wi-Fi in the most armored section of what was the most armored ship in the world. He's like, but we have Wi-Fi. And I just remember thinking back to one of the back to the cruise that I was on, uh, one of them on Royal Caribbean, where I was like, there is wall to wall Wi-Fi. This is incredible. And I started looking around and there was like an access point every 10 feet. (laughs) It's the only way. It's the only way you can do it. I remember being on one of the Norwegian cruise lines and they hadn't like a basically they had an Apple store on the boat. And yeah, it was like a mini Apple store on the boat. And I'm talking to one of the salespeople who they don't work for Apple. They work for Norton. But the problem is that I was I'm smarter than they are. Not I'm not trying to be like an egotistical loser here, but it's just I, this is my business. Right. So I was like, I was like, look, this is not working. And she's like, oh, I don't really know what to do. I was like, you know what? Forget it. I got it. And I like started like I was like, let me jump into terminal and let me do like all these things. And she's like, <laughs> why do you know this? I'm like, I'm not your average cruise <laughs> cruiser. <Yeah. laughs> you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> like I was, I don't know when was I, uh, I got married in, in 2010. So I was 30. So I was like, I don't know, 31, 32 when this happened. And I was like, and, but every, the average cruise age is like what, like 68 and I'm 31 and I'm like, ah, I got like this that. computer yeah. girl. I'll figure this out or whatever. Um, but yeah, no, I love cruising. I love cruising. I, I love the mix of technology. I, oh really? You just, that's what we do yeah, with IT people, they didn't right? Have a, they didn't have an Apple store, but I was on a, like the, you know, you pay extra for the backstage tour. You go tour all around the ship. You get to see the bridge. Right. And I was asking all kinds of questions about communications at sea, satellite connection, you know, how the communications inside the ship work. And I was also, I was like 28, it's a couple of years ago already. And um, they're like, are you, are you, you know, are you in the Navy? Are you a communications expert? I was like, no, <laughs> no, I'm just an IT manager. Just really curious about how all this works. <laughs> right. I mean, I think, that's also that's that's part of being in it right like it's it's we're we're always curious we always want to know how things work that's why we watch you know uh geeky tv shows or we all make fun of the people who watch csi when they're like enhanced 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 <laughs> like you know like we like that kind of stuff we we want to know how these things work and if there's something in particular even if it's an off-topic thing like cruise ships that you enjoy you your 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 geek brain puts it together, right? It yeah, my wants wife to know laughs at me, works. and she, my wife is very techie. She actually is has become more in the data side of things and has started. She taught herself like three coding languages in a couple of months or as many months, and she laughs at me when we're watching NCIS right now. And they're like, "Oh, his <laughs> IP address is one nine two one six eight dot zero dot one." I'm like, "No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not." I remember watching an episode of something and they were like, let's see if we can find them on the dark web. What's the dark web? We're going to go on this thing called Internet Relay Chat. I'm like, IRC is not the oh dark web. God. Do your homework. Simple oh, yeah. Google search. Just hire me. Like, okay, uh, yeah. here, I'll put another call. <laughs> if anyone from any TV production company is listening to this podcast, I'm available <laughs> for consulting. Uh, hey, at least I live in LA. Normal, well, Long Beach. I'll your normal it. audience is get, Yeah, right? Your normal <laughs> audience right now is like, what is this guy talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Some shows get Cruise it though. They're getting better. Cruise ships, TV shows. Does he actually do anything? Yes, I do a lot of things on a regular basis. So it's an interesting, it's an interesting point of view because I've never had somebody on here yet. I've been interviewing the IT managers and IT support people, help desk people, and the like. But let's look at it from the business point of view because I'm also personally fascinated by this, and I'm sure that there are, sure. are a bunch of our listeners that are. You know what? 
does it take when you get into business, both before the pandemic, you know, when technology was still a little bit scarce and people were like, oh, what is this computer thing? I don't know. I have to use it at work. And now it's everywhere. Right. Yeah. So when yeah, you're getting yeah. into that, you're building a business. And especially now with the pandemic, obviously, all these businesses and 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 people are working from home. They're all trying to go cloud. What is that like running a business through all of this? And what are some of the things that you need to do to make that work? Right. So the first thing you need to do is get a prescription for Xanax. That would be my number one tip. Um, no. So, so here's the thing, you know, when, when, when all this happened and we didn't like a lot of people were not prepared for this. And I, I have a lot of colleagues. So just as a quick, as a quick FYI, as a member of the Apple consultants network, which is a paid program at Apple, we are officially like if if you call Apple for help, they can officially give our name out, right? So I'm in a I'm in a Slack with a bunch of Apple consultants. I do a, a daily Zoom call with a bunch of Apple consultants in LA. Um, the ACES conference is built up of mostly Apple consultants. So so these are colleagues, friends, people who I talk to on a regular basis. When the pandemic hit, so many of them were underprepared. Like I remember that first week you know, in March when things were like, when the country was like, okay, we're going to go to lockdown and everybody needs to be ready. Everyone held their breath. Well, all my colleagues were starting, you know, not all my, a lot of people I know were, were emailing, were, were in the chat. We're all like, Hey, is this a good email to send? And the email was like, okay, with everything happening, now is the time to start thinking about VPN. And the answer is like, no, this is not a good email to send. Your client should fire you because you should have had VPN set up for them over a year ago. You know, and and things like that. And I think one of the key elements to doing this as a business as a and as opposed to just being an employee is being able to look at the holistic picture from a 50,000 foot overview. Right? Like the IT person or the people you've mentioned that you you've interviewed before, the help desk person, his job is put out the fire. The IT manager is are the fires contained and what, you know, what's causing the fires? Can we stop it? You know, stop the bleeding. But as the owner of the company, you have to say, okay, how do I manage the fire department? How do I manage the hospital? How do I manage all of these components? So they work together. So this way, one problems are being solved. Two, we're being as efficient as possible. Three, we're not only taking care of the clients we have, but looking for new clients. Four, are my staff okay? You know, like all of those things. And and it's a very different mindset. And there's also the business owner versus the entrepreneur, which is a whole nother conversation. But to not have that 50,000 foot overview, especially with the pandemic, is a tough, tough thing. And Due to that and due to the pandemic, I saw friends lose their business. Like I've seen friends close up shop because they just can't do it. Now, I'm not going to lie. A lot of this has a lot to do with location. You're in LA. I'm in New York City. We are resilient people. People in New York City do not stop for anything. All of my clients, luckily, knock on wood, they have pretty heavy enterprise clientele as well. So they're not going anywhere. So I lucked out. But having the right stuff in place a year ago, two years ago, is what keeps my clients from grinding to a halt. 
what keeps my clients going and being able to support that and say, okay, you know, especially now we can go to them and say, okay, we survived 2020. What's the plan for 2021 and 2022? Because we're going to plan for that now, pandemic notwithstanding. Right. Well, you know, there's three weeks left. The meteor could still hit, please. <laughs> what's that? What's that joke that it's like, oh, well, I didn't have that on my 2020 bingo card. Um, but that's that's what it's about, right? It's about understanding the whole picture at every one of your clients as well as at your own business. And that takes, a, to be honest, it takes a lot out of you, right? It does. It takes a lot out of you to be a business owner. Now, I happen to be weird, different, whatever you want to call it. And I am, you know, I dip my toes into a lot of different things. And the stuff I mentioned earlier, right? Like I have the IT consulting, I have the consulting consultant, I have the conference. I have a, I have a, I didn't mention this earlier, but like I have a t-shirt store on our website because I make geeky t-shirts. I spend five minutes a day. I make a new t-shirt. I do a lot of YouTube. I do a lot of YouTube stuff. Um, all of that is all part of my brand as I'm building it. I have to work on that at the same time as getting a text from the CEO of one of my clients because one of his employees is having a hard time and my tech is not hand, is not handling it properly. Okay, well, I got to balance those two things, right? Or with the pandemic, like a, one of my clients, literally I have a box to my left that I haven't opened. I have to open it tomorrow morning because they have a bunch of laptops. They don't even know what they are. And I was like, you know what? At this point, just pack them up and send them to me because like I'm not coming into the city to go to your office. So like, you have to be able to, if you want to be the owner, work harder than anyone else. I'm a big believer in taking extreme ownership on everything. If, a, if one of your employees messes up, it's your fault, right? Like you have to take extreme ownership. You have to know everything that's going on at all times, everywhere. And you have to be planning for the current future, like the, the near future and the far future at the same time. That takes a lot out of somebody. Extreme so ownership have, is that the uh, Jocko Wil- Wilnick book? Willink? Willink book? Yeah, 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 it is. It is. Uh, uh, U.S. Navy SEALs. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, lead and win. I'm listening. I'm listening to it now in audiobook. I mean, I believed in it before I even listened to it. Gary Vaynerchuk talks about it also in another light. He says Gary the same v. thing. Like Gary. So, so uh, this is your story. We had an employee um, who started just before I had uh, my wife had our second child. And so shortly after my second child was born, my second baby was born, I had my conference. And so with my head in those two places, I didn't have time to properly train this employee. Now I had someone else on staff who should have been training him, but it's not really, it wasn't really his job to train him. It was mine. And so come the summertime, you know, this staff member wasn't doing that well and I had to let him go, but it wasn't his fault. It was my fault. It was my fault for hiring the wrong person. It was my fault for not training him. It was my fault for not pinging him regularly on Slack being like, are you doing this? Are you checking in here? Are you doing that? Like, it's my fault. I'm the owner. The buck stops with me. And there's a lot of people who do not have the ability to have that kind of pressure on top of the roller coaster that is owning any business, let alone multiple businesses, right? So it takes like 
it takes a lot. And that's why like I joke around about the Xanax thing, but like it takes it takes a lot. Like I'm not gonna lie. Like there are nights where I have like cried myself to sleep because I lost a client that was a lot of money. Right. I had a client for many years, for almost 11 years. And because somebody who worked for me messed up, that client was like, this is the last straw and we're dumping you. And I was like, what? You What? No, no. And like, that was the end of it. Right. And I'm not like, it hurt. It hurt badly. You know, we were invited to their like anniversary party and I like knew everyone who worked there. Like it was rough. But like, and so I, I came home and I like complained and moaned and cried and did all these things. But the next day, the sun still rose. I had to go to work. I had to continue taking care of my other clients. So what did I do? I went out and I found new clients. I sold new products to my current clients. I made up the money I lost from that one client. Was it easy? Absolutely not. But that roller coaster feeling is part is another part is what I'm saying with the pressure thing, like that you have to be resilient to, and you don't have to be a robot. You have to just be able to say to yourself, you know what? I'm going to do something else tomorrow. I'm going to find a new client tomorrow. I'm going to do a, I'm going to send an email to all my clients, you know, saying, Oh, we have a new product. I'm going to do a YouTube video. I'm going to make a t-shirt. I'm going to do something else. I'm going to, Find another part of business that I can look into to build up. And you have to have that mindset. So it's all, it's all, it's like mindset plus resilience plus a good support system. I mean, everyone has to have a business. Like I have a great business coach who helps me out with stuff like that. My wife happens to be very much like-minded as me, just without the entrepreneurial spirit. She's not as much of a risk taker, but where she works, um, she does a lot of the same kind of like breaking the barriers and breaking the mold that I do. Um, but within the company, so like we have the same, you, you have to have those people to be able to talk to. So yeah, all of that adds up. So as an aside, it's funny that you mentioned that it was that you had a baby right before your last conference. It was um, before our last Tab Geeks conference, and I don't mean the one that was canceled thanks to COVID. Our last Tab Geeks conference, we, uh, Tab Geeks is run by my wife and I, and uh, we had a baby actually three weeks before the conference. And oh, wow. um, we did the overwhelming majority of planning for the conference before uh, she was uh, scheduled to, to have the baby. And the hotel calls us up at, a week after we had the baby saying, I'm sorry, there was a scheduling uh, situation and um, somebody double booked and the we have to honor the group that booked before you and so you cannot have the conference at our hotel and with one week after having the baby and two weeks to go to the conference we had to find another local hotel that had space move the conference over move all of the people over which of course did not go seamlessly and run the conference (laughs) and manage the parts of that that didn't go seamlessly whilst running the conference and with a newborn so to what you're saying is you need grit and you need determination and perseverance. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. You need all those things. And to be honest, you know, I, I'm also a big believer in the, what the, this new concept called the intrapreneur, like 
people who are within the company who who have the entrepreneurial spirit. So anyone who's listening who's not a business owner, like you could, if you're even like help desk, IT help desk, you could come up with these new ideas and build them and, and have that entrepreneurial spirit and, and test the waters, as it were, to whether or not you have the grit, whether or not you have the ability to do this. That's um, the best way to I'm test a, the waters. Yeah, I'm a big believer in that as too as well. Absolutely. And some of my best projects have been because I stood up in my organization. I said, hey, this is a problem. We should do something about this. And my boss said, so do it. And <laughs> even even this Wait. podcast, for example, I hate the sound of my own voice. And I was talking to somebody earlier <laughs> today. And he said, I hate the sound of my own voice. And I, I, you know, include fillers and I stutter. And I was like, dude, the only way you're going to get over it is to stop letting imposter syndrome get in the way, tell it to shove it, mm. and just go and jump in and do it. And you do that enough times, it becomes natural. I think everybody hates the sound of their own voice. I think it's I think it's like a psychological thing. Like there's a there has someone to correct me in the, if if there's a, if someone knows this, leave it. Drop a comment below. I like saying about that. Um, <laughs> it's not a YouTube video. Look up yeah, this YouTube video. So Hit us subscribe up on Twitter. And smash the smash the like button. Um, but no, someone, I'm sure someone could look this up, but I'm pretty sure there's like a psychological thing about like not listening to your own voice. Like I hate my own. I don't think I sound the way I sound. And nobody does because you actually, for at least males, your voice is lower than what you hear yourself uh, mm-hmm. because of the way bone conduction works. Now we're getting off topic, but um, <laughs> yeah. But I have a podcast, you know, for, for ACEs. I had a podcast for Apitalize for quite some time um, that... And I would li- I would like re-listen to it in the car, and I was like, "How do I sound like this? Like, how do I?" <laughs> and 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 I know I'm from New York, and I get called out for being in New York, and some people will say, "Oh, he talked too fast" or whatever it is. But like, that's not even what I'm talking about. I'm like the the tonality of my voice, and I'm like, "Do I really sound like that? Like, is that really is that really what I sound like? It's so weird." Um, but getting over those things uh, and getting over your own fears all of it helps with, with owning a business. So I hope that I answered that question. Yeah, definitely. And that's a big part of it. And also one of the reasons why I started this podcast almost two years ago is I was looking to do some content in the small to mid-sized business space, which is where Tab Geeks exists because nice. there's too much attention paid just to enterprise, right? So nobody's really mm. paying attention to the small to mid-sized, which is 98% of business in America. So obviously there's a big audience there. And I was trying to figure out what I could do. Video editing takes a long time. It's a whole production and studio and visual and the whole thing. And somebody mentioned to me on a call I was on, they said, you have a very unique voice. You have a very identifiable voice. And I was like, aha, a podcast. I have a voice for radio. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully not the face to match it, right? Isn't that the old joke? Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and, and no, I think, are. you know what? If you're doing this for two years, man, congratulations. You know, Thank kudos you. to you for doing it. Um, I think some that's, that's another thing I think is lacking a lot in our community is the ability for people to like congratulate other people, even on the small wins. We say it a lot and I try to practice it as much as possible. Um, but congratulations, you know, if we'd be able to do this for two years and put on a conference after having a baby, like that's, I feel you for that one, man. Like, congratulations <laughs> on being able to pull that off, especially with that shift. By the way, if anyone's listening, uh, don't ever start a conference. They're horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Especially during they're, COVID. <laughs> they're horrible. Uh, yeah. So we're actually trying to figure out what we're going to do for our conference. So we, we, you know, our conference is in May. 
And so, you know, everything started locking down around March and we were like, oh, crap. So we, within within six weeks, we went completely virtual, pulled it off. And now we're trying to figure out what we're going to do for 2021. And, you know, we made the decision we're going to go virtual because it'll be too soon. We're not really sure where we're at with the vaccine and stuff like that and whatever. And uh, not that, not that, I don't want to get political, but so we're, we're already deciding that we're going to go virtual for um, 2021. But so now with now that we have enough time to figure this out, we can obviously plan it a lot better than when we did it last time, you know, going from March to May, we're like, let's just find a platform. We'll just have everybody on zoom. And the platform was like, Oh, we could give you everything. And like the Friday before the conference, they were like, by the way, your attendees can only use Chrome because zoom doesn't work in Safari anymore. Like some other BS or whatever it is. And I was like, this is not, this is horrible. Um, but I pulled it off with the thanks to, uh, thanks to, uh, my co-host for that show, Tim Pearson. Um, and we did it and it sucked, but like forgetting COVID, like if you want to start a real conference, don't <laughs> like, unless you have, unless you can like legit take $20,000 and like put it on your driveway and light it on, light fire, it on fire and like not, yeah, and like <laughs> not feel that and not like cry and weep. Like, and then maybe you can go start a conference, but if you cannot take that risk, um, don't start a conference. It's they're terribly hard. We we burned more than that in our first show because oh we my god, I could just we imagine. Doing. And you know what? I paid right, for I education it. as it was. <laughs> no, I I'm 100 percent with you. I love telling people this. This is okay. I'm gonna, I know you know the answer to this, so I'm gonna let the audience for a second. I want I want you everyone to listen. Okay, answer me this question: How much is a gallon of coffee in a hotel? in Phoenix Memorial Day week. So it's hot outside. It's like about over a hundred. We're in a hotel in Phoenix Memorial week, gallon of coffee. How much is a gallon of coffee? Okay. Lock in your answers. 40 bucks. No, no, no. That's way too low, Jesse. (laughs) Okay. Is everyone, everyone locked in their answers? Is everybody sitting down? $80, $80 per Per drop is more expensive than than HP Inc. And we all know how expensive HP Inc. is. <laughs> <laughs> Liquid gold right there. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and and throwing conferences in Vegas, don't do that until you're the size of DEF CON. That's just ridiculous. Oh, yeah. No, do not year. go to conference. The worst part about the coffee <laughs> thing is I don't even drink coffee. So I like I just thought oh, like I was just throwing my money that's away. It. This like, podcast is over. You don't drink coffee? Sorry. No. I you know what? I have um okay, now we're gonna get personal. I have uh you know that there's a DNA swap for some people where like cilantro tastes like soap. Sure. You know about this? I'm yeah. not one of them. So I yeah, have, but I'm not one of them. Right. Okay. So I have that, but I also have a DNA receptor where it makes my bitter uh, taste buds a lot stronger. So coffee oh, you're and like bitter flavors like that. Yeah. 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 Like it never, it never sat well for me. I'll take a that can of Coke sense. anyway. <laughs> yeah. A can of I Coke or Diet Lemon Snapple. The, I swapped out my Coke habit for coffee. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Wait, but we are so far wait. off topic here. Yeah, what do you got? I was gonna say, wait, your your Coke habit or like your Coke habit? Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Coca Cola right. habit. All right, now back right, on. We are so back on back topic. On track. So okay, so computers one zero one zero 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 one. All right, we're back on yes. track. Yes, yes. It's a good riff by Rush right there. One zero zero one zero zero one. Okay, so a Rush fan. All right. Um, okay, so you're. You're running a business, and I know there's a, a bunch of MSPs that listen to us as well. Um, you know, what's what's it been like during COVID? How are you reacting? What comes next? Yeah. So 
the first thing was getting all our clients like working again, right? Like everybody went to work from home. And the biggest thing that I talk about is for MSPs, like we were taking care of one network for one office, right? With like 20 computers, 30 computers. Now we're dealing with 20 networks for that same office because everybody's at home on their own home Wi-Fi or, you know, their cable vision internet or whatever it is. I think that it's been long enough because that was in March. Now we're talking about it was already December. Now, I think by now, many of us have solved that problem somehow, whether you're giving away DNS filter or Cisco umbrella for free or, you know, doing something to protect the client. Now you have to take it to the next level. What's, what are we going to do next year? So like the number one question we've been asking all of our clients is when are you planning on returning to your office? Are you planning on returning to your office? Now that you have everybody working, right? Because now that you have everybody working from home, will you renew your lease? Keep in mind, New York City leases are expensive. Oh, obscene. So, right. So, will you renew your lease? And a lot of my clients are like, you know what? No, this has been great. So, the question is okay, well, if you're not going to renew your lease, what do we do with that giant Synology NAS server that's in your office? Right. I'm not going to host this at your house. So, a lot of my clients, we've moved clients from having on-prem servers to Ignite FileShare, which I'm a reseller of and I'm a big fan of their product. You know, And maybe we're not buying all 40 terabytes that's in their SAN or in their NAS. I mean, um, but we get them five or eight terabytes. This way the company can transfer data around and everyone can work. You know, We have to think, again, 50,000 foot overview. Okay, so... We've taken care of your server. We've taken care of your network. Let's talk about your computers. What are we doing for computers? Well, uh, on the Mac side of things, we have something called uh, Apple Device Enrollment. It's also known as Apple Business Manager. I can I make sure I make sure every client that I have is in this. That means if I send you a computer, you can turn it on, connect it to the Wi-Fi, give it five minutes, it will download all of your stuff, and I can push an account that you can sign in with. Cool. So we've locked that down. So now we have the computers, we have the servers, we have your networks covered. What else is there? Well, how do we communicate with our team? Well, we're going to buy you Zoom, right? Um, anyone who's a MSP should be teaming up with a, um, uh, uh, what do they call it? What's Taloris and Sanders and partners? Um, a master service agent. Um, uh, one of those master service agents you can resell Zoom through them and get a cut of that commission. So this way you're making a little bit of money on that. So, okay, we're going to get everybody Zoom. We're going to get everybody on Slack or Microsoft Teams, whatever it is. Like you have to now build this virtual office for them and ensure that that works. So like our mentality of a closed network, you know, very simple now has been expanded out. You can't see me because, but I'm like waving my hands in the air to explain <laughs> the explosion that is. It's exploded. Um, yeah. That is gone. Right. Right. So, so now, now everyone now like you, and then you have to now maintain that. So it's, it's a tougher, it's a tougher gig. And especially for us, because I, we at virtual computers on the IT side, we're concierge IT. We want to be on site. We want to be, in their office with the people, but we can't do that. So we have to come up with new ways of providing that level of service. So like we started doing um, open door hours on zoom. So every week the client has, my zoom is open. And if the client has questions who they forgot to email our support line, they can just pop on on the zoom. 
Do they? No, but they know that we can. <laughs> and we have that. We tell them, we communicate with them. Uh, since the pandemic started, we've been sending weekly emails, simple emails with, hey, we updated Zoom for you this week. So that way you don't have to worry about it. We've pushed the update to Slack. By the way, here's like a nice little article from the Good News Network that might like cheer up your day. Cute. Or, you know, when the when um, uh, SpaceX flew the Dragon, there was a screenshot that showed two iPads. And I, I we sent a picture of that screenshot being like, Hey, your i these iPads are in space and they're taken care of, which means we could take care of yours too, you know. Like, <laughs> but something to keep that communication going, and I think that's very important, especially now. I, I know that people, especially it, it's it was March. No, it's been nine months. We're it's getting still March. We're what getting, are you talking about? It's right. It's March two hundred forty seventh, right? Uh, but like, people are getting they're getting tired of Zoom. They're getting tired of you know those kind of things. And, and I, I, I'm there. I get it. Um, I never realized how many meetings I take until the pandemic started. But you have to push through that and you have to find ways to like make if you're an MSP, make it easier for your staff to work and make it easier for your clients to be able to work. I, you know, I tell my staff all the time, like, if you need something, you tell me I will buy it for you. I can't like one of my staff members is like, I need a, I need a monitor. It's like, done. Buy a monitor. You know, like I don't care because if it's going to keep you happy and keep you working and keep you sane and that way my clients are taken care of, fine. And as for my clients, I say the same thing. Like, not that I'm buying them stuff, but I'm saying like, I, I go to them and I say, what is it that you guys need? What is it that your team needs to be able to like effectively work as best as possible? Right. And sometimes they come job. back to me and they go, well, they, right. Sometimes they come in and go, well, that's your supposed, you're supposed to figure that out. I'm like, well, I don't know necessarily your work from home workflow. So what do we do? So that was like how we got people onto Ignite or how we got people into Slack who weren't in Slack before because they had an office and they were all sitting next to one another, you know, things like that. Then we take the holistic view and say, how do we tie these things together? Well, we make sure you have single sign-on. So that way you have the same username and password for your computer, your email, your Slack, your Ignite, your whatever. How do we make sure that that software is up to date? Well, we make sure you're in our systems. How do we make sure your computers, we make sure there's monitoring on all of your computers. Because you're at home now, it's a lot harder for us to check on things. We install that monitoring software. We install those up that RMM and and all those all those TLAs that MSPs like to throw around. I yeah. hate the term MSP to be honest. I don't like because we don't manage services. We manage expectations and people. So being able to manage those expectations, being able to manage the people that are our clients, being able to provide them the top level of service we can give them without actually seeing them anymore. Is hard. But again, going back to grit, going back to, and you have to be creative coming up with new ideas, how to do this. So for ACEs, and it's only available for people who have been at ACEs. So I apologize to any of the listeners. So you can leave a comment and tell me how much I'm a loser for doing, for telling people this, but we're doing cocktail kits, right? We're going to do a happy hour in a couple of days. So I'm sending people a cocktail kit where they just, you know, they can make a drink and we could all have a drink together. It's something different than just a zoom call or a zoom webinar. How do you, how do you mix it up? Considering that you're everyone, everyone is stuck from home. That's, and that's why I call my clients and just to talk or I'll, I had a client the other day who I was emailing about a bill. It was my fault. I made a mistake. And at the end of it, I was like, by the way, we never had our chicken soup contest. Are you making chicken soup? When are we doing this? You know what I mean? Like things to remind these clients that they're human, they're people. 
that they're just not someone behind a desk, that I'm not someone just behind a desk. Those human connections, you have to build all those up. So all of these things that I'm talking about are all part of this one big plan of action. It's just how you, uh, how you act on it. Yeah, definitely. And, and I mean, my day job is uh, head of IT for a real estate ownership management development firm. And for us, I, I was brought into the company about five years ago to kind of modernize and, and uh, bring some of my youth into their technology stack. And they were all on prem, like most real estate firms tend to be. Right. And we were actually well positioned relatively for this because we had gone G Suite and we were using Google's collaboration and communication tools. And we had Google Drive for some people set up and ready to go for others. We were able to take a lot of the on-prem file storage. You mentioned, you know, the the Synology and, and whatnot, our our server storage and just push that all up to the cloud. I wasn't even in the office for for most of that in the beginning. I was doing it remotely, but I was able to remote into my computer at the office and just dump it all up to the cloud and say, here's your new share drive, get to work because all of these people were immediately working from home. And there's so many businesses right. that were out there that, like you said, they were just were not ready. And it's, it's tough, but you know, now we've reached a point, there's no going back, right? We have right. evolved. I think it was Satya Nadella who said that we did uh, three or four years worth of digital transformation in approximately three, two to three months. And oh, it's, yeah, I heard that. it's not slowing down yet. And maybe for some of the companies out there, it is. I know personally for, for our business, it's not. I mean, usually this time at the end of the year, the last couple of weeks between Thanksgiving and Christmas and into the new year, everything gets slowed down and people kind of close out the books and, and people go on vacation. And I'm just like, I have more projects this week that need to be dealt with than the entirety of December of last year. This is insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It gets, it's, it's tough. It's a tough thing. And anyone, again, this, this is what I was talking about earlier, about like that grit it's needed to, to, to be able to put up with this stuff, you know? Um, and, but you have to be able to, you have to be resilient as well. You have to be able to push through and say, you know, I know where the end goal is, or this is what I'm planning on doing. Let's, let's, let's do this and let's do it right. And make it work for not only now, but, 2021 and 2022 and 2023, you know, how do we build this out to make it future proof? Uh, or, or how do we build the resilience? How do we build the security? How do we do these things? It's, it's a tough, it's a tough, tough gig. I, I'm not going to lie, but you know, if you have the chops to do it, go for it, do it, make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, as much as I say that uh, this isn't going away, we're more likely to be entering a hybrid model in the coming, I don't know, six months from now when the vaccine is is hypothetically deployed at a large scale, where you'll have a lot of people that will not go back to the office. And you'll have a lot of people that will still continue to swear by only going into the office. And us as IT professionals are going to have to be ready for that and be ready to support a world that looks like that where you're you are going to have people in the office but there's no more perfect closed environments anymore it's all about mm. everything collaborative fast action ready to go ready to work with because as we've experienced over the last year the world can change and will at a moment's notice yeah you know there's a big thing happening now people are talking about like the zero trust network sure concept you know like that that has to come into play as well a little bit here right like mm -hmm. identity management beyond corp 
right? Like how to, especially if we're going to go to the hybrid, right? Because you assume that most, let's just say like the majority of people are on laptops, right? That laptop is going to go in and out of the office. But when you know it's in the office, you know it's safe. But when it's out of the office, what's it doing? So like you still have to take care of it. Mm-hmm. So even if you're in a hybrid model, I still think you have to, as an IT professional, you have to just assume everybody's working from, you know, the back of a bus in Guadalajara or something like that. You know, like trust how nobody. Do we protect, <laughs> how do we trust no one at the same time protect the entire computer no matter where it is? And if it's in the office, then it's doubly safe. And if it's not in the office, it's still safe. But yeah. These are things that people have to think about. And if you're not, uh, if you're not an owner and you're on IT help desk or someone in that position. Start thinking about this stuff for your clients. Look at the tickets you're getting. Look at the look. Look at repetitiveness. Look at what's happening at any one client, and say and think to yourself, "What could I do to solve this problem?" And pitch that to your manager. Or you know what? Better yet, as long as you have the ability to, just run with it and get it done. And clients, and I, I've said this before, clients for internal help desk. That means the employees of the company, your customers are the people that work for the same company that you do. And a lot of people don't realize that. If you're internal IT, pretend you're external IT and you're doing customer service. Exactly. I feel, I find that internal IT, and I don't mean any offense to anyone, but I find that internal IT will sometimes become complacent because they're like, oh, I just work here or whatever. But that's not how to, th- and that's not how to think about things. If you're internal IT, pretend that you're not and, and, treat all of these of the other employees as if they were paying customers to you because that way, because doing that will one, you'll get promoted faster. Absolutely. Uh, And, and you will build a better network than just being the Maurice Moss. Go and bring, bring (laughs) bring it back. Bring the, the Maurice Moss, you know, move or the it guy from SNL move, you know, you don't want to be that guy. Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. You want to (laughs) be, you want to provide, and, and but that includes like follow up emails, you know, uh, talking about and not just talking about computers. Like, you know, when you went to go fix someone's computer and they were like, oh, my dog is sick. The follow up email is like, I really hope your dog is feeling better. You know, like that level of customer service has to happen, even if you're internal staff. Absolutely. And I've had this conversation with uh, a couple of people uh, on previous episodes and uh, in, in, well, in the old days of actually going to conferences where if I'm hiring somebody to do help desk support, I'm hiring somebody, if their customer service skills are not up to par, I won't even consider Mm. them. I can teach you tech. Mm. I cannot as easily teach customer service and attention to detail and caring about the person on the other end of the line or the other. Okay. End of the well, so then, so Jesse, about, let's play a game. Okay. Let's pretend I'm going to hire you. I'm going to ask you the one oh. question I ask. I ask every person I try to I hire and now there's no wrong answer. Don't feel bad. Um, I'm totally going to cut this in the editing. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't cut this. Now I'm sure people will, people are going to leave a flame comment below by saying like, Oh, he got it from Reddit. I've been doing this question well before it was posted on Reddit. Okay. So Jesse, let's say you come work. You want to come work for me at virtual computers. You're the only one in the office. I think CEO of one of the clients calls and says, Jesse, listen, I need to print this keynote presentation. Uh, Cause I want to mark it up with my favorite red pen. And I'm leaving the office in 10 minutes to go to Newark airport, to get on a plane, to fly to Las Vegas. It's not printing. What do you do? Put it on your iPad and use it offline. 
It's okay. That's one good answer. Guy doesn't have an iPad. What do you do? Guy doesn't have an iPad. What do you do? Printed at Kinko's down want- the street. There you go. <laughs> why? And the question. And so let me ask you a question. Why? Why is printing it at Kinko's the right answer? Not that there's a right answer. There's a tech answer. Fix it in his office. Just get it done. Get it done. He's the CEO. Solve the person's problem, not the technical technical problem. The technical problem can be solved whenever. Ninety percent of tech problems are something related to the personal side of it, right? How many times in IT have we gone? Uh, the problem is what they call PEBCAC. Problem uh-huh. exists between keyboard and chair, right? It's not the computer; it's the user. They have the wrong expectations. They rev something that's not work. Solve the person's problem. The tech part can be solved easily. That's customer service. So I'm hired. Sure, I'll pay you twenty six thousand dollars a year. <laughs> I don't know if I only have to work an hour a week. We'll talk. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone right, who's so, listening, if you come apply, if you come apply after listening to this episode, um, um we, we have to, I have to come up with a new question for, for, for them. <laughs> That's on you. They don't have to tell you. That's on me. <laughs> no, All I'll right. figure it out. So my last question here, and you've been a wealth of advice here. For anybody who's just starting out, whether they're starting out an internal help desk, bottom level, uh, you know, getting started, or if they are working for an MSP and they want to eventually start their own, uh, what's some advice that you could give to somebody? Become a sponge. That's number one. Learn everything you can learn. You don't need to be an expert in everything. You just need to be uh, uh, enough knowledge more than the average person, which is what being in IT is anyway. (laughs) I've had this conversation with other people about certifications. I don't necessarily believe that certifications make or break somebody, but having certifications always, they don't hurt. Right. But at the same time, a client has never called me and been like, are you Apple certified? Show me your Apple certifications. Like I've never had that happen, but they don't hurt. Will they get you more money than someone who's not certified? Not necessarily. It depends on who you're going to go hire from. But if you can show that initiative, hey, by the way, you know, I also went out and got this jump cloud certification or an adagy certification or an apple certification or my c i don't know the pc ones what is it c plus cwna something like that something like that um, they keep changing a, a, a plus yeah they keep changing sure. um <laughs> insert insert certi- certification here um it shows initiative which i think is more than any which is more important than anything else but learn as much as you can about as many things as you can Talk to people. And and if you're just starting out, have just like a little bit of wherewithal that you're not the smartest person in the room. Right. And if you like, are, find a different room. Yeah. If you are, find a different room. Come if you if you are in that room, come find me because I guarantee you I'm the smartest person in the room. Um <laughs> uh, no, but like find yeah, find a different room. So learn. Try to take the certification if you want. And I like I when I hire people, I like people who have some sort of direction. I don't like people who are like, oh, I want to get into IT because like that's such a generic term. You know, you say I want to get into cybersecurity. I want to get into networking. I want to get into Apple consulting because Apple consulting is kind of a niche. You know, that makes it 
clearer and more tactile for what you're what you want to do, what your goals are, have those goals. That is more important. That that's pretty important because you know, just saying like, oh, I just want I want to be in IT. Like, what does that mean, man? Like, what what you want to be a coder? You want to be help desk? You want to be, you know, you want to plug wires together? Like, what do you want to do? So having a at least an idea of what you want to happen with everything else we've already talked about, I think is a good starting point. If you want to and work if they, for an, if you want to start an MSP, go work for an MSP though. That's for starters. And if they don't know what part of IT that they want to do, what should they do? Google, watch YouTube, read a book. I mean, it's 2020. Like it, there's no more handholding here. Like go, go on YouTube and search like, any it like you could watch a youtube channel that's like i know there's one youtube channel all he talks about is ubiquity gear like you want to learn about ubiquity gear go watch us one guy's at youtube channel for like a day and be like i like ubiquity gear i don't like ubiquity gear move on to the next thing you know um there's there's so i mean youtube is ridiculously heavy in terms if you know how to search for things right i just started watching uh a youtube channel I want to say it's called network Chuck. I think it's called like, I just started watching a couple of his things and he's all about like Cisco networking. I don't, I know nothing about Cisco networking uh, and my networking skills are router switch fire uh, router switch APs done. But this guy's thing is like, here's how you like spin up a Linux box to run a pen test to make sure that your network is secure. And I was like, well, I got to go do that now. Right. <laughs> you can watch Linus tech tips. He's like the number one tech guy on like YouTube. Watch virtual consulting group on YouTube. Subscribe and like, um, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you like that one. Um, nice. There's, there's such a wealth of knowledge out there. So if you, if you don't know, start whittling it down in reverse, figure out what you don't want to do. You know, I hate, I personally, I hate, wiring i cannot my fingers are not nimble enough to like um crimp an ethernet cable so like i'm not going to do wiring i'll do network design and i'll watch a couple of youtube videos on network design that's cool but like i'm not going to do wiring but maybe you know maybe you like work one of the guys who works for me this guy alex who's an amazing employee and i'm so glad that i found him and i have such gratitude for him he uh is really into cars as like a side thing. And, uh, we were at a client, we were at a school, right? Like around the summertime, we had to go to set up this school because we had to get them ready for COVID and hybrid learning. And we broke an ethernet cable. And I was like, I can't crimp this. I was like, what are we, I was like, I was like, but you're good with cars, right? He's like, yeah. I was like, take a shot at it. Right. And I had the tools. So I, I drove home. I drove back with the tools. He got it in one. Nice. Like first try ever doing an ethernet cable ever got it in one. And he's like, I can do this. And I was like, great. You're going to do this more now because now I know you can. Right. Um, <laughs> but like find, you know, he was cool with it. He likes doing that kind of stuff. Cause he likes working on cards. It's very similar to him. So find things that you like. If you don't know what you like, find things you don't like and scratch those off the list. You know, there's a lot to be, there's a lot in it. There's, you can get into, 
HIPAA compliance for IT. You can get into fintech compliance for IT. You can get into PCI compliance for IT. You can get into cybersecurity and do things like dark web and phishing training. And you can do, but then you can go on the other side and do, you know, the MSP consulting thing. I want to talk to clients all day about what their chicken soup recipe is or what wine they're drinking. <laughs> get into, get into the, you know, you're not good with people, but you're really good at writing. Get into the technical blogging of IT. Get into breaking things down so people can understand them. You know, there's so many avenues. I can't, it, it's hard, you know, get here. My nephew, I love you, Ryan. We hired him for the summer as an intern. We thought he would really like IT. He doesn't like IT. That's cool. So we turned him into a video editor. He likes video editing, right? Like the only way to know is to try. So, and then pivot. If you're young enough, I mean, I'm going to steal something from Gary V here. If you're young and you can live at home with your parents and save all your money, try a thousand things. Spend a week watching YouTube videos on... Network configuration. Spend a week watching YouTube videos on how to flip Pokemon cards. Spend a week learning how to set up YouTube studios. I when I built a studio, I built a studio here in my in my house in my office when the pandemic started, and I had one setup and I didn't really like it. Um, and I built it the way I thought I, it would work, and it just sucked. It just like sucked hard. So what did I do? I went on YouTube, and I started searching home office YouTube studios, and I found thousands of ways to set this up to know how to set this stuff up. And you know what? This is transferable knowledge that I can give to my clients now because, you know, you can set up a webcam with a DSLR and whether you have one that like a, a, a Canon that could do it direct or I have a Panasonic G7 that I use a Magewell HDMI uh, to USB converter, right? And the reason I'm saying these names is because I'm saying that like, even though I own the business, my technical chops are still well there. Like, I set up an Elgato key light and to make it cooler, it's tied into my Siri. Well, that's something I can actually do a video about and tell people how I got my Elgato key light to work with Siri. So when I go, Hey Siri, let's record. You're going to hear a click in the background. All my lights just turned on my background <laughs> lights, my key light, everything. Right. That's something I like to talk about. That's something I'm really home kit for the Mac is a big open topic. That's something you're down with home automation. Cool. You're down with AR and VR and voice commands. Cool. That's what you want to get into. Start writing, start working on those things. If you can code, write projects for it. If you can't code, find, and you have an idea, find someone who can write a project. There's Upwork, there's Fiverr, there's freelancer.com. There's all these places where you can find stuff. Like I talk about, if you really want help, I'm not, not that I'm trying to push. My book is like $2 on Amazon. I wrote it in 2011. The rules still apply on how to like build any idea. It's the same thing. It's what I'm talking about now in 2020. You can find ways to get this stuff done. You just have to have the drive. I can't teach you how to have the drive. You have to want it. If you don't want it, don't bother. But if you want it and you want to get into IT, get into IT. You want to build, you want to be able to like teach people how to build like NASA setups in their house with 17 monitors connected to a Mac mini and you figure it out, do a YouTube video on it and post it and send it to everybody you know. Make geeky t-shirts. I don't like whatever it is. My thing is this is like you, if you, if you want it, 
go get it and stop sitting on your ass. <laughs> Love it. And tell imposter syndrome to stuff it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, so this is, this is a true story. Okay. It's getting late here, by the way. It's almost midnight. Um, yeah, this is a, long a, <laughs> uh, this is a good one. Well, if anyone's in it so far, congratulations for sticking out. So I actually <laughs> just had this problem the other day and I was talking to my business coach about, um, other people mirror you with their reflections, with what they're thinking about things. So if they don't like what you're doing, they're going to tell you they don't like it. But guess what? Who gives a damn about them? You do you. And so she sent me, my, my business coach sent me this thing called Insights from Healing. So I'm going to give credit where credit is. And I, I, the hashtag is the holistic psychologist. But like there's one that's on here. What people don't understand, they will mock or dismiss. And that's okay. Right? Um, so if you want to go and do home kit setups, if you want to go and do Chromebook setups for schools, if you want to go and answer emails every day and be a tier one help desk, because you feel that you're making a difference in people's lives by the way you can help them with their computers, both from a, a tech and a psychological standpoint, then go do it. And if someone tells you that you're wasting your time, screw them. <laughs> Love it. We'll have to have another podcast debating HomeKit versus smart things. I'll take you on anytime. Folks, continue the conversation by joining the Tabby Slack community. There's no sponsors and no assholery, no assholery allowed. That's at tabbyeeks.com forward slash Slack. I'm on Twitter, Mr. J. Nolan. Uh, Justin, what's your social media platform of choice if somebody wanted to reach out? You can find me anywhere at Justin Escar on Twitter. I don't really tweet a whole lot, but like I stalk there. Find me on LinkedIn. Um, virtualconsultinggroup.com is uh, my homepage. And of course, the ACES conference, acesconf, A-C-E-S-C-O-N-F.com. Love it. Well, Lord Minister Justin, thank you so much for coming <laughs> on the podcast. You've been great. This has been a long one. I'm going to let everybody go. And uh, hopefully we'll have you again on again sometime soon. Thank you so much. My gratitude for having me and for everyone out there. Thank you for listening and sticking it out for this far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's going to be a fun one to post and, uh, and hear the feedback. So see you next time, folks. <laughs>